You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. So there's this best-selling leadership book that, that, that I came across a number of years ago, and the title has stuck with me for a long time. The title is this, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, How Successful People Become Even More Successful. Maybe you've read this book. It's, it's quite a popular leadership book. And the premise of the book is, is that leaders always reach the ceiling of their capacity, And in order to to break through the ceiling, they need to develop new leadership styles and skills. What got you here might not get you there. And this isn't simply true in leadership. I've seen this principle in lots of other areas of life. For instance, I've coached my son's soccer team for the past seven years. And there's this type of player that I have seen over the years. And at a young age, this player succeeds because they're bigger than the other kids. And and their success uh, makes them think that they don't need to to work very hard. They don't need to continue to practice. But after a few years, of course, the other kids catch up in size, and, and that player is no longer the best player on the team. What got you here might not get you there. The principle works in marriage, too. What got you through the first five years of your marriage won't get you through the next 15. I can attest that that's true. (laughs) You start out with a spouse that thinks you're the greatest thing on the earth. But spoiler alert, it doesn't take long for them to realize that that's actually not true. And we need to grow in order to meet our partner's needs, in, in order to serve them, because what got you here might not get you there. In high school, uh, I cruised through high school with a high degree of success, really cruised. But then in my first year of university, I, I was on the brink of failing. And it's because I hadn't developed the discipline or the focus needed to succeed in higher education. And we have a number of university students here today. Maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about. What got you here might not get you there. Then there are some of the seniors in, our, in the room today. And now, I know that the term seniors is one that not everybody likes, but this is a safe space. <laughs> we can use that word without shame. It's just the reality. And we have seniors in the room, and, and, and you're realizing that getting older is really difficult. Really difficult. And you need to change. You need to adapt. You have to adjust your expectations about the things that you can and cannot do. Because what you needed to thrive in your 60s is not what you need in your 80s. What got you here might not get you there. In leadership, in sport, in relationships, in school, in aging, you could probably say it with me by this point, can't you? What got you here might not get you there. But I wonder, what about in our life with Jesus? What about in our faith? Could it be that that what got us here might not get us there? 
And now I'm not talking about God's acceptance of us. I'm not talking about our salvation. I'm not talking about arriving on heaven's shore. That's not what I'm talking about. What got us saved, what made us God's children, is none other than the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, nothing else. In other words, our status as God's children isn't something that we earn. It is given to us. However, our status as the children of God is something that we can learn to enjoy more and more. Our position as God's children is something that we can step into, that we can learn to live into in greater measure and to greater effect with greater freedom and greater impact. And could it be that the reason that some of us feel stagnant in our faith or, or, or bored in our faith or maybe going backward is because that we're running on the fumes of our past experience with God with, without ever experiencing anything new. And could it be that, that, that what we most need now to follow Jesus into the future is something that we don't presently have? You see, old keys can't open new doors. And in our Christian life, some of us need a new set of keys to unopened doors with God. When I think about the doors that, that I'm familiar with in my own Christian life, I, I think about things like worship and scripture. And these are kind of the doors that, that, that I, I open frequently, I walk through. The doors of worship and scripture, right? Sunday service and Bible studies. Music and, and, and morning devotionals. Uh, worship and word. And to be honest, when I look at our church, when I put my finger on the pulse of our common life together, these two things stand out for me. We together lean into worship and into scripture. But church, what if what got us here may not get us there? I believe Jesus is inviting us to open a new door to growing in our Christian life with him today. Jesus is inviting us to this renewed way of living with him that will help us into the next season of our life together. And the thing that Jesus is inviting us into, the specific thing, the new key to unlock new doors is prayer. Prayer. Now, of course, prayer is nothing new, right? It's not like this is something that I've discovered. It's like, wow, there's prayer. We pray. Of course we pray. But I believe that Jesus is inviting us into a particular way of praying that may be unfamiliar to some. A way of praying that unlocks new doors in our life with Christ. And it isn't the prayer that, that says thank you, a prayer of gratitude. And it isn't the prayer that says help, prayers of, for God's intervention. And it isn't the prayer that says, please, a prayer for God's provision. In fact, the kind of prayer I have in mind is not saying anything at all. It's listening prayer. It's praying in such a way where we tune our ear to hear what Jesus is saying to us in any given moment of our day. Gordon T. Smith says in his book, The Voice of Jesus, 
that every Christian should be able to answer two questions. First, they need to be able to answer the question, what is Jesus saying to you at this specific point in your life? And secondly, how do you know that's the voice of Jesus and not some other voice? Listening, learning to listen to the voice of Jesus through prayer, it just might be the key to getting from here to there. Over the years that I've spent in ministry, I've come to see that the people best equipped to go the distance in faith, the people who have had the greatest impact in kingdom mission, the people who show the greatest resilience in the midst of a life trauma or tragedy, the people who are able to speak most powerfully into the lives of another person, these are the people who spend time in prayer listening for the voice of God. In other words, the people who get from here to there are people who lean into listening prayer. I've shared about a time in my life when, when both Gina and I were suffering under a dark cloud of anxiety and depression. I'm not talking about having a few off days here. I'm talking about nine months of a debilitating mental health crisis. And my pastor at that time, Mark Peters, he, he had been listening to Jesus in prayer on our behalf one day. And, and when he had finished praying, he sent me a text with the verses from Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. And, and in his text, he said, Keith, I believe these are Jesus' words for you and Gina today. Will you receive them? And the verses said this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Oh, and I felt poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor had come, and oh, we were mourning. To all who mourn, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning festive praise instead of despair. And now, I was going to seminary at the time, and, and as a good seminary student, I knew that this passage of Scripture wasn't written directly to me. <laughs> I knew it was a passage of Scripture written to Israel, who was on the edge of exile in the 5th century before Jesus. The passage wasn't originally written to me, but when Gina and I read the scripture, they became God's powerful word breaking into the darkness of our situation. We were lost in it. And the voice of God blew away that dark cloud that had held us captive almost instantly. And the point is, Mark listened to Jesus and he helped us hear God's specific word to us in that crucial moment of our lives. And learning to hear Jesus' voice, it might just be the very thing you need right now to revitalize your life with God and to have a greater impact in his mission in the world. And now, at this point, I'm sure that there are lots of people saying, okay, well, where do we see this in Scripture? Is this really what God does? Is this really how we live our Christian lives, tuning into a God who speaks even today? Look, the invitation to listen for God's voice is all throughout the Bible. 
in the Old Testament, the New Testament. I want to look at a psalm this morning. It's Psalm 29, and and it's a powerful example of, of listening for God's voice. It's an invitation to listen. And I'm going to read the psalm in its entirety. It's Psalm 29. If you want to follow along, it's halfway through the Bible. You'll find it there, Psalm 29. But as I read, take note of what it says about God's voice. It begins with something of an introduction. Listen, it says, Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And then it says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. Then it concludes, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. And the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Seven times. The psalmist calls attention to the voice of the Lord seven times. Now, seven is an important number in the Hebrew Bible, right? It's the number of completeness or or wholeness. Seven encompasses the whole story from beginning to end. And, and, and that's what we need to remember about the story of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, the creation of the world. That, that in seven days, it's this, this complete story of God's creation of the world where he made all things and made them good. Seven's important. It's the whole story. And here in Psalm 29, it's God's voice that encompasses the whole story of faith, seven times from beginning to end. And here's the thing. The last verse in Psalm 29 says that the Lord gives his people two things, strength and peace, strength and peace. And the question is, how do we receive strength and peace? The psalm makes it clear. It's through God's voice. When we learn to hear God's voice in our life, we are strengthened in our weakness and we can have peace in our angst. Because the Lord sits enthroned over the chaos of the world. He sits enthroned over the flood. He is enthroned as king forever and he speaks to bring strength and peace to those who need it. And it's not simply in the Old Testament that we hear uh, this call. And I could go through many examples in in the Old Testament of, of hearing God's voice. But in the New Testament as well, the disciples heard God's voice at least twice in a rather dramatic way that, that, that most of us maybe uh, don't uh, experience. I never have. And the first time the disciples heard God's voice was at Jesus' baptism. 
When God said, this is my son whom I love, in him I am well pleased. And the second time that the disciples heard God's voice was it's something we call Jesus' transfiguration. It was a moment when, when Jesus was with some of his disciples, and these disciples' eyes were open to the fact that, that Jesus wasn't simply a son of man, he was the son of God. And in that moment, the disciples heard God speak these exact same words that were spoken over Jesus at his baptism. God said, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. But at the transfiguration, God says something else. He adds something more. He says, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. But then, listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Disciples, listen to Jesus. And even though it's hard for us to wrap our head around at times, Jesus still speaks to his disciples today. In John 10, Jesus teaches us that, that his sheep hear his voice. Right, we, 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 you're maybe familiar with that passage. But mark this, it's more than that. We're told that his sheep hear his voice and that listening to his voice is how we are to follow him. Disciples follow Jesus by listening to his voice. They listen not simply to what he has said in the past, but what he is saying in the present through his Holy Spirit. I mean, isn't that what the Apostle John, in the last book that we have in our Bible, the Apostle John, he says this about God. He has a vision of, this, of the risen Christ in the book of Revelation. We read about it. And over and over again, there is this refrain. And Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Disciples listen to the voice of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. See, throughout the Scriptures, we see that God speaks. And one of the marks of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is to listen for his voice because he still has something to say to each of us today. And here's why listening prayer is so important to us as followers of Jesus. Here's why it's important. It's important because listening prayer is actually how we can join God's mission in the world. When we hear Jesus' voice and when we act on what he is saying, we become participants in his redemptive mission. Let me explain. You could say that the entirety of God's mission is to restore the broken pieces of his good creation. That's God's mission in a nutshell. He wants to take everything that is broken and, and, and make it new again. And human beings are at the top of God's list. And through Jesus Christ, God is on mission to restore broken people. Okay, are, are you with me thus far? This is the mission of God. And when we tune into God's specific voice, when we hear how he intends to go, sorry, when we tune into his voice, what we hear is how he intends to go about that redemptive work in the world. When we hear Jesus speak to us, he is always speaking something restorative. 
He speaks in order to restore something that's broken. That's why when Jesus speaks, we often hear him saying something about how much he loves us or how much he delights in us. Because the reality is, the most powerful force of healing in our world is to hear the creator who made us say, I love you. I delight in you. Those are healing words. In fact, a lot of the pain in our world, a lot of the chaos in our world is because those words haven't been heard by human ears before. When Jesus speaks, he wants to restore something broken in us. And it's why we hear him speak words of love and delight when we listen. And other times, we hear his spirit convicting us of our sin. And that's because Jesus knows that sin is what keeps us broken. And he wants us to face it. He, he wants us to deal with it. it. It can't be brushed under the carpet because then we only remain broken. And the point is, when, when we hear Jesus' voice and, and we're willing to believe it, to put our faith in it, or, or to have courage to follow what he's asking, when we do that, what we're actually doing is we're participating in God's redemptive mission in our life to make someone who was formerly broken new in Christ. When we participate in this way, we're letting him heal what's broken in us. Richard Foster tells a story about a father and his two-year-old son. It's a true story. And this father and two-year-old son, they, they were out at a shopping mall one day, and, and the boy was having a complete meltdown. Maybe you know the scene. Maybe you've been to the mall lately, or you have a two-year-old child. <laughs> The kid was losing it, and the dad tried everything to settle him down, but, but nothing seemed to help. The boy simply wouldn't obey his father's directions to behave. And so the father scooped up his son and held him close to his chest, and he began to sing this silly made-up song. The song, it was off-key, it was without rhyme, it really was an awful-sounding song. But the father sang, I love you. I'm so glad you're my boy. You make me happy. I like the way you laugh. And on and on they went, store to store, father singing to son. And the child relaxed and, and just listened to this strangely wonderful song. And when they got to the car, the boy was buckled in his car seat, and, and he looked up at his dad, and he simply said, Sing it to me again, Daddy. Sing it to me again. And listening prayer is like that. In praying, we, we allow ourselves to be gathered up into the arms of the Heavenly Father, and we let Him sing this love song over us. And when we actually hear the lyrics, <laughs> when we actually hear what He's singing, this love song has the power to heal all kinds of wounds and brokenness that we live Hearing God's words and, and believing them is how God fixes the broken parts of our past. It's how his redemptive mission gets worked out in our lives. But listening prayer doesn't simply work God's redemptive mission in our own lives. It's, it's actually how we jo join God's work in the life of another person. You see, we can, we can help other people hear the song that the Heavenly Father is singing over them too. 
We just came back from uh, Mexico City with a, a team, and, and when the team uh, from our church was there a, a number, a couple of weeks ago, we had this opportunity to do some listening prayer with the Mexican pastors and their spouses that we were ministering to. And so we sat in groups of three. There would be one Mexican, one Canadian, and one interpreter. And we simply prayed for one another. And we simply prayed this way. We began by saying, Jesus, what do you want me to say? Or what do you want to say to to this, my new friend? What do you want to say? And then we spoke out loud what we felt Jesus was saying. It was a little awkward, (laughs) a little scary, a little uncertain, like, does God really speak this way? And and like, can we do this? And, and, And what if this is just me? What if, you know, all of the questions that you would have. And in one of the groups, someone from our church asked Jesus, what he wanted to say to this new Mexican friend of theirs. And as they prayed, a picture developed in their mind. It was the picture of a a white blanket covering a young baby in a basket. And the basket was in the reeds. It was like a scene from uh, the Exodus where Moses was there all alone as a baby floating in the Nile River. He had been given up by his mother, hoping someone would find him and care for him in life. And so the person had this picture and and shared it with this this young woman that they were praying with and said, I believe Jesus wants you to know something. Here's the picture, and and I believe he wants you to know that, that he sees you. He's seen you from birth and that he's rescued you into a new family. I wonder if this might be God's word for you. And in that moment, the woman began to weep. And she shared how how she came to the retreat with her past on the forefront of her mind. It was the question that she wanted God to answer. She had been abused and abandoned as a young child. And she grew up longing to be part of a family that, that saw her for who she was and loved her. And to receive the picture and hear these words for this woman, it was it was confirmation to her that Jesus saw her deep need and that he was there and he wanted to bring healing to her past. You see, when we hear Jesus' voice and we're courageous enough to share it with others, we are participating in God's restorative kingdom work in the life of another person. And that's kind of scary, isn't it? But it's also beautiful and freeing. And it's what Jesus is inviting us into. I believe Jesus is inviting us all to take a step today. And for some, maybe it's to open your heart to that this is actually real. Not some snake oil salesman up here, right? Because it's not. For some of us, we, we need to open our heart And all of us, we need to open our ears because God still speaks. And he wants us, he wants to help move us from here to there. And the question is, are we willing to take a step? Are we willing to try and open new doors? And so let me suggest as I close a real practical step that you can take this week in learning to listen for the voice of Jesus. And for some of you, you've been walking this path a long time. 
but for others, maybe not. But here's the real practical step. I'm challenging you to 10 minutes of your week. That's what I'm asking for, 10 minutes. And in those 10 minutes, I want you to find a quiet place with a pen, a paper, a Bible, and simply ask Jesus two questions. First, begin with the prayer, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? Jesus, what do you want to say to me? And then, just begin to write what you feel, what you hear. How do we hear God's voice? Just begin to write. Um, there might be scriptures that come to mind. Write them down. There might be a picture that comes to mind. Write it down. Try not to overthink it. Just, just write and, and trust that, that God uh, is present with you. And then, after you've done that for a few minutes, I want you to ask a second question. Ask Jesus, what do you want to say to my neighbor today? And whoever your neighbor might be. I mean, it, it might be your colleague. It, it might be uh, someone you go to school with. It might be a friend. It might be our actual neighbor. <laughs> but do the same. Write down what you hear, the, the scriptures, the, the pictures, the, the words that come to mind. And when you're done, read through the whole thing. And ask the question, does this sound like something Jesus would say or not? Does this sound like Scripture or not? Does it sound like something the Spirit of God would say or not? And cross out anything that doesn't, but hold on to everything that does. And then here comes the challenge. Take action on what you've heard. In faith, believe the words Jesus is speaking to you. Take action on what you've heard for yourself, but also take action on what you've heard for your neighbor. Here's the real challenge. Maybe the Lord gives you a scripture for, for your neighbor. Would you offer it to them this week? To go to them and say, you know, this might be a little weird, but I just feel like the Lord wants to encourage you. And here's a psalm, or here's a scripture, or here's a word, or here's a blessing. And I'm just offering this to you because I believe Jesus loves you. Huh. Listen and take action. And here's my hope. The next Sunday, that we have one or two people from our congregation share how Jesus spoke to them or spoke through them. Church, sometimes what got us here might not get us there. We have further to go. But Jesus' voice will lead the way if we're willing to listen. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to acknowledge this morning that you've already spoken to us. We, we, we've heard your name. <laughs> we've heard you call our name, and we've run out of the grave. I'm thinking of the word, that, the, the, the song that we sang. <laughs> That at some moment in our life, Jesus, your spirit was so alive in us that we heard you call us out of our old life and into faith in Christ. And that, Jesus, you did a profound work that day as you filled us with your Holy Spirit. And, God, I'm asking in this moment that you'd fill us afresh with ears to hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to his people. And Lord, where, where we're uncertain, we pray that you would just help us. And Lord, we pray above all that you would give us a spirit of humility 
Because sometimes we don't hear right. And sometimes we get it wrong. Yet, Jesus, you invite us to listen. You invite us to lean our ear into the very heart of God and listen. And so, Jesus, speak to us as we go this week so that we might be part of your mission to restore broken things in this world. We can only do it through your power. Amen.